This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Tuesday afternoon, January 30th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. It's Travel Tuesday. We'll discover some romantic Valentine's destinations in Illinois during our next segment. But right now, cooling home prices, surging job openings, and rising consumer confidence provide the latest reflections of the U.S. economy. Let's welcome in Diane Swank, Chief Economist, KPMG in Chicago. Diane, thank you for joining us today. Let's talk about the job market because there seems to be uh, some differing opinions on the strength or weaknesses uh, or signs of weaknesses in the job market. Uh, job openings rising in December to the highest level in three months. However, uh, fewer people are quitting. So what can we make of the job market right now? Well, we're in flux. We've seen the job market go from an extraordinarily frenzied pace that we saw um, during 2021 and 2022, where job hoppers were getting these extraordinary premiums for hopping jobs over 16%, which is now narrowed to about an 8% um, raise if you hop your job. That's a big difference, less than half of what it was in mid-2022. That's very important because as the job market normalizes to something that's more like and akin to 2019, even though that was still very low unemployment, it was less inflationary. And that is what we're sort of looking for is that the job market is cooling off just enough so that the Fed can get to the job of cutting rates um, and sooner rather than later. Now, sooner for the Fed is probably May, not March, which many had hoped after the end of the December meeting. But what we're expecting to see is an upside surprise in employment in the month of January and the Fed sort of making sure that it's got enough evidence with such an extraordinarily robust economy and we're coming into the 2024 still pretty strong on consumer spending. That will allow the Fed to sort of move in May, we think, on their first cut. And we're still expecting four cuts this year by the Federal Reserve. We're going behind the numbers with Diane Swank, Chief Economist, KPMG in Chicago. The Labor Department saying 9 million job openings in December. That is up from 8.9 million openings in November. And let's talk about the quits rate very quickly. And that is, uh, that's slowing down. And is it a sign that uh, more people are just merely satisfied in their jobs? Or is this simply a factor of uh, it's not worth it to uh, cross the street? Well, I think, you know, first of all, there was some fatigue of all the crossing the street that occurred. There was a lot of churn in the labor market, an extraordinary churn um, during the hiring frenzy. But I think there's a couple of things going on. First of all, we do have some hoarding of workers and hiring freezes. Um, that is a situation. And, and there are some layoffs out there. Some of the strongest growing sectors in the economy that drove employment gains early on are now companies that have either laid off workers or are in hiring freezes. And that makes people more nervous. 
service. At the same time, we're seeing job gains much more concentrated. The last six months of 2023, job gains are concentrated in only three sectors of the economy, very interest um, interest rate insensitive sectors, that's healthcare, leisure and hospitality, and state and local governments finally hiring up in ways and putting people in positions that have been open since the beginning of the economy reopening. And so that, I think, is very important because there's just not as many options to job hop, but also there is fatigue from job hopping as well. And we're starting to see productivity growth pick up because people are now in their jobs long enough to not only learn them, but also get training, which was also put on the sidelines as firms were focusing only on hiring. And then very quickly, Dan, I want to touch on uh, on consumer confidence uh, at its highest level since December of 2021. Is this a reflection of lower gas prices or cooling inflation or both? Um, all of the above. And it's interesting is that it, we saw broad-based gains in consumer um, confidence in the confidence numbers for January. Now, we've yet to get the full sentiment data from the University of Michigan. Uh, if it comes in anything like the first cut did in January, we'll have the largest two-month improvement in consumer attitudes since 1991. But consumer attitudes are still lower than one would expect given the low rate of unemployment and the improvements in inflation. And consumers are still citing that even though inflation, the pace at rate with which prices are increasing has come down, they still would like to see declines in more than just prices at the pump. Diane Swank, Chief Economist, KPMG in Chicago. She'll re- uh, rejoin the show on Friday afternoon as we discuss the uh, government jobs report for January. Then coming up, we'll run down a list of romantic destinations in Illinois for Valentine's Day. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's part one of Travel Tuesday on the Noon Business Hour. And in this segment, we're taking a look at great romantic getaways in Illinois for Valentine's Day. We're joined by Daniel Thomas, Deputy Director of the Illinois Office of Tourism in Chicago. Daniel, thank you for joining us today. Uh, lots of romantic places to go uh, in Illinois. And I guess uh, if you want to say uh, your relationship is uh, not quite normal, uh, you should go to Bloomington. That is quite right, Rob. Great to be with you. And of course, only a two and a Two and a half hour drive or take Amtrak down to Bloomington. And one uh, of, imagine staying in the Vrooman Mansion, a 19th century castle uh, mansion there. And they've got a great getaway package with Illinois made uh, maker. And you can experience Mackinac Valley Vineyard wine while you're there. And of course, you are very close to Bloomington. And of course, farm to table. Why not dine at Epiphany Farms, another Illinois made maker? and have that ethically sourced ingredients for one-of-a-kind dining experience while you're there. And I was going to say, and if that place is totally booked out, there's always steak and shake, and that's very romantic. (laughs) Very romantic. I'm not sure that you'll be having another Valentine's Day uh, after that, but hey, you could try, right? Oh, come on. I mean, everybody loves a good milkshake at the end of a burger and chili meal. Uh, Now, we're not just talking about Valentine's Day, though. Uh, This is also Galentine's Day in February, and uh, you cannot spell Galentine's without Galena. That is correct. Galena is a statewide favorite, uh, a three-hour drive from Chicago. So let's spend the weekend there in a cozy cabin. And, of course, the Goldmore Inn, which is a gorgeous award-winning inn overlooking the Mississippi River. So you get 
uh, you know, this majestic views of the mighty Mississippi. But one interesting part here is you could also, over the weekend, get a private chef, and they do cooking lessons on the weekend. So you can treat your loved one to that experience. And, of course, while you're there, Galena Main Street, of course, and catch some shopping along Galena Main Street, and it's such a wonderful historic um, shopping area for locals, but then finish the day or the evening and relax at Galena Sellers Vineyard and experience some Illinois wine to top the night off. And of course, if you don't want to drive uh, anywhere, don't want to drive to Galesburg, don't want to drive to Bloomington, don't want to drive to Galena, uh, you can have a really fun weekend uh, in Chicago, enjoying the uh, sights and sounds and luxury hotels here. Absolutely. We're sport for choice in downtown Chicago, but I'm going to go iconic on this one. A romantic escape to uh, the famous Drake Hotel on the Magnificent Mile. And of course, one of the things that stuck out for me this year with their Valentine's Day package is you get two complimentary passes to either Millennium Park ice skating rink, Adler Planetarium, and they'll also give you some food and beverage credits at their historic 1930s restaurant and bar. And so, you know, grab a room overlooking uh, sort of Lakeshore Drive and Michigan Avenue, then maybe head to uh, a spa at Cola Water Spa, um, really close by in Lincoln Park. And then, of course, it's Chicago Theatre Week. And so we have over 100 shows on offer right now, 200 participating theatres. And who doesn't love some more inspiring performances and live performances right across the state? Daniel Thomas, Deputy Director of the Illinois Office of Tourism in Chicago, running down some of the uh, romantic getaway spots in the state of Illinois. But uh, once again, uh, don't sleep on the uh, Steak and Shake in Bloomington, right off I-55. It's 12-14. We'll take a look at the move, uh, the potential White Sox move to the South Loop. Coming up next, the Commissioner in Major League Baseball gives his blessing. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The plan for a new White Sox ballpark in the South Loop is gaining momentum momentum with Major League Baseball, the commissioner, Rob Manfred, giving his blessing and the prospect of no new taxes for financing and the word new being key here. We welcome in Bob Reed, business writer and contributor for Chicago Magazine. Bob, thank you for joining us today. And I, ha- I it's, it's a struggle, Bob, for me to take off my White Sox fan hat uh, in discussing uh, this move. I mean, I know the entire history of the franchise and uh, baseball commissioner Rob Manfred is correct. It could be a game changer for the Sox if they leave a 35th in Shields for the first time since 1910. Well, that's right, Rob. And, you know, the stars do appear to be aligning right now. Not only do you have the commissioner coming out in favor of it, but you've got obviously Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the team, and the mayor are also, uh, and they're talking. That's a very good sign. And local aldermen are coming out with uh, for it, as are uh, the unions. Uh, So this is a pretty good group. Uh, People who know how things get done in this town realize that you need those kind of constituencies if you want to get things rolling. However, we haven't heard from some important entities, including the state of Illinois, and nobody really knows where the Illinois Sports Facility Authority is in this deal. Those are things that are going to have to be worked out. Three questions uh, I've heard a lot uh, since uh, this thing was announced nearly two weeks ago. And the first one is, how are you going to pay for it? And it sounds like uh, they want to roll that uh, hotel tax that uh, funds the paying off the bonds for guaranteed rate field. Want to roll that into the new ballpark in the 78. What would that require? Well, I think they would just have to start moving around the money, but it 
at the baseline, it's the hotel tax. And how much more can you take that up? And what do you consider to be new versus an existing tax? So I think those are going to be the funding issues that come into mind. In addition to that, they'll be looking to the city and seeing what it can do in terms of what they call tax increment financing. Uh, That district does have a TIF. Will they be able to draw upon that? So there are little things that can be done. There are very big things that have to be done. But, you know, uh, the public isn't crazy about paying for billionaire sports stadiums, and the governor has made that clear in his discussions with the Bears. So we're going to have to see uh, what can be done in terms of financing and if it shakes people up. What happens to guaranteed rate field in this scenario? Let's say they, the Sox are in a new stadium in 2030. Uh, will, the, will the site be sold? Could it be redeveloped? Could a new team move in? What are some of the options here? It would seem the most likely option would be for another team to move in. By that, maybe a soccer team. There's also been talk in the media about using it more for outdoor concerts, trying to get more out of the facility on a year-round basis. That's easier said than done because of the weather and, to a degree, because of the location. And there isn't a lot around there. And that's, you know, part of the issue here. The Sox don't have a lot of ancillary revenue coming from the surrounding area immediately around the ballpark. Yeah, they control parking and things like that. But if you put this down into 78, you're going to build a community around it. And the chances are the Sox will no longer be leaving money on the table. They'll be able to maximize what they can get, like the Cubs are doing at Wrigley Field. And then lastly, why not build this ballpark village on the currently existing parking lots for the White Sox? Why not do this at 35th and Shields as opposed to uh, moving the whole thing two miles north? Well, as they say, location, location, location. The whole point of the 78 is to link it to downtown and to the rest of the city on the south side. And that's what they think is going to happen, that it will actually develop a new neighborhood, one that will be right in the middle of everything, easier to get to by public transportation. Uh, You'd have underground parking. You'd have all sorts of things uh, that will make it easier for people to get in and out of the ballpark. But, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on the design. Are they going to make a mistake like they did before and kind of design a a ballpark that was good for yesteryear? Or are they going to do something that's a little more uh, modern and interactive for people to, to enjoy? Bob Reed, business writer and contributor, Chicago Magazine. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. This is Nancy Hardy. A Muslim advocacy group is calling for a quick response to an attack on a girl wearing a hijab in a West Suburban school. A case of mistaken identity may be behind a deadly drone attack on American soldiers in the Middle East. It's Travel Tuesday, the focus on the best ski areas in the Midwest and beyond. You may want to help someone by co-signing a loan, but there are some things to consider. WBBM business. The markets are mixed. The Dow is up 98 points. NASDAQ down 102. And the S&P 500 is down 3. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. The Council on American Islamic Relations in Chicago wants action taken after an attack on a Muslim student at her middle school in Glendale Heights last week. The details from WBBM's Nancy Hardy. In a video posted to social media, a boy grabs a 7th grade girl wearing a hijab by the neck in the hallway of Glenside Middle school and throws her to the floor. Maggie Slavin with Care Chicago tells CBS2 the girl was targeted for wearing a headscarf. And what's also very disturbing is that you see this other students that are filming the whole thing and they're not intervening. Care Chicago says it has received 200 complaints involving school-aged children since the war in Gaza began. The superintendent of the Queen B-16 school district tells the station an investigation found no evidence the attack last week was motivated by religious or cultural intolerance, and the district is working to hold students accountable. Nancy Hardy, News Radio 105.9 WBBM. We're learning more about a drone strike in Jordan last weekend that killed three American troops. The enemy craft flew in at a low altitude altitude, U.S. officials tell the AP, and might have been mistaken for an American drone that was in the air at the same time. While the base in Jordan near the Syrian border it does have counter-drone systems, there is no effort to shoot it down. A trailer where troops sleep was struck and surrounding trailers were damaged by the blast. More than 40 soldiers were wounded and three U.S. Army Reserve soldiers from Georgia were killed. Sergeant William Rivers, Specialist Kennedy Sanders, and Specialist Breonna Moffitt. Pentagon Deputy Spokeswoman Sabrina Singh. This is an IRGC-backed militia. It has the footprints of Kitab Hezbollah. National Security Spokesman John Kirby says President Biden met with National Security Advisors and is weighing options. These groups, backed by Tehran, have just taken the lives of American troops. Jennifer King, Washington. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are mixed right now. Joining us with the latest on what's moving Wall Street is Philip Colmar, global strategist with MRB Partners in New York. Phil, thank you for joining us today. And it's all about the Magnificent Seven this week. The uh, The big tech titans are uh, reporting all week long. And is that uh, all it's going to take to move markets? Yeah, that's going to be the focus of the markets this week for sure. Um, a lot of expectations associated with uh, the big seven, which are, of course, the heavyweights of the index. And coming into earnings season, many of them have uh, uh, you know low comps from last year, so that's not going to be the challenge. But expectations, independent of what their comps are from earnings of last year, their expectations are pretty elevated. So they got big bars to hit here. A um, couple of them uh, will, will probably or maybe hit, but there will be some disappointments probably as well. And then uh, the, the, the Fed meets this week. Their uh, policy meeting uh, begins today, wraps up tomorrow. And uh, no surprises, uh, at least uh, not that we know of, uh, as far as uh, uh, announcements about uh, interest rates. Uh, they do uh, plan on uh, keeping things uh, as they are right now. Uh, but I'm guessing uh, everything's going to hinge on uh, what Fed Chairman Jay Powell says tomorrow about the uh, possibility and maybe timing of interest rate cuts later this year. 
Yeah, that's the other big news this week is, is uh, expectations. Everybody's really looking forward to what, what his commentary is. The Fed is on record for wanting to ease. But, of course, since they've wanted to, and really coming in from where bond yields maybe peaked back in October, um, since then we've seen a, a real drop in, in bond yields, uh, a shift in terms of deep rate cut expectations. Some of that's being pared back a little bit. But in aggregate, those two things are helping ease monetary conditions. And all of the economic data since then have started to improve from, from even their own weekly economic indexes to consumer confidence this week to housing-related indicators. So all of it's putting into question, although they want to cut, how much can they really deliver on? A couple of uh, interesting uh, story stocks uh, jumping out at me today. Uh, General Motors shares up 7% after the automaker posted better-than-expected earnings. Uh, they're still uh, uh, kind of putting the pieces back together following that protracted strike uh, last year. But one thing that was interesting was that that this may be the car market just because the supply chain has worked itself out. We could be shifting from a seller's market back to somewhat of a buyer's market for cars. Yeah, it's possible. The supply, the supply chains are, are starting to work its way back out, and, uh, and we could shift back into yeah, sort of the demand driving the dynamic again. I do think that in terms of that stock performance, and, and although we don't cover specific issue names or company specifically, I do think you should, investors should be looking for a broadening. It's already happening in terms of broadening participation of this equity rally into those other cyclical names. So away from, I know we talked about Magnificent Seven there at the top of the show there, but um, about really broadening out to places where you don't have the earnings bar so high. And that's the real problem with heavy tech is earnings expectations on a one-year and a multi-year basis really high. But some of those other cyclicals, they start to look appealing and across the, uh, across the index. I'm thinking more in probably in line of banks and aerospace and defense, uh, even some energy after being beaten up last year. Um, but in general, some of the broader participation is kind of where we'd be looking right now. The macro environment's okay for risk-taking, but the earnings bar is pretty high on some of those leaders. So, so looking for that rotation is probably uh, where you're going to get the bigger bang for the buck. Philip Komar, Global Strategist, MRB Partners in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, a look at the best places to ski in the Midwest and elsewhere. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, Part 2, and today we're getting some advice for conquering the slopes both here in the Midwest and beyond. We welcome in Juliet Huddy, travel vlogger and curator of Jet Set Juliet, finder on X, the former Twitter, at Jet Set Juliet. Juliet, thank you for joining us today. And before we talk about uh, what you need to know about taking a a ski vacation, uh, whether in the Midwest or out in Colorado, uh, February 1st is uh, at the end of the week. It's uh, on the calendar, not a surprise to anybody. But does that mean uh, we're kind of too late as far as planning and booking and going on a ski vacation this year and the conversation should be about next season? No, not at all. I mean, one of the one of the things you really do have to do, though, is when you decide where you want to go, go online and, and get your lift tickets online, because not only will you typically get a discount, um, but a lot of times, depending on where you go, the places will sell out. So it's it's not a bad time. I mean, it is, it is a little late. But look, if you're just going to go in, in the Chicago area, you still have a lot. You still have options. Um, and let me just say right off the bat, if you're expecting Sun Valley or Aspen, you know, where you have the top of the line slopes and you've got myriad activities, chic restaurants, epic nightlife, glamorous lodging. Uh, the Midwest offerings can be maybe a little bit disappointing, but that's not to say you can't have a five-star experience. The key, Rob, is finding the resort 
that shines when it comes to your particular abilities and interests. So I'm going to break this down into four sections. Okay, starting with number one, which is the best spot for beginners. I know that you have kids, right, that are that are learning to ski. That is correct. And then not only yeah. that, they are learning to ski at uh, at one of the places on your list. That is uh, Wilmot Mountain, uh, which oh, is uh, okay. just over the border from uh, Fox Lake uh, in in Wisconsin, like literally three minutes into Wisconsin, and you're there. And oh, well, uh, that's fun. that's interesting because. For me, um, if the, I mean, they must be pretty good already because for me, Wilmot, Wilmot is going to be the one for advanced skiers. For me, the best spot for beginners, my pick is Cascade in Wisconsin. This is a family-owned resort. They just celebrated their 60th birthday. And it really has become kind of the diamond of the Midwest because it's got something for everyone, particularly for families. There are 47 runs across four terrain parks, which is I mean, it's a pretty decent number of options. And if you'd rather not plug around in your snow boots all day long, like me, um, Cascade has to. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was me on Sunday, over. as a matter of fact. Those days are over for me. No limb breaking anymore. Um, Cascade has some great snow tubing runs. So that's, that's, you know, that's kind of fun. It's an easy two and a half hour drive from Chicago. And like I said, it's fabulous for families because kids under 12 ski free if they're with an adult. And as for adults, depending on when you go, the time of year or whatever, or the day, a lift ticket is going to run you between 50 to 100 bucks per day. Um, so you just talked about Wilmot in Wisconsin. This is my pick for advanced skiers because this mountain arguably has the most challenging runs in the Midwest area. And it's a really quick drive. I mean, it's like, what, an hour from Chicago? It's like right there. And, and and I was going to okay. say, I mean, once yeah. once you get all this, uh, once you get kind of your your ski legs underneath you, you I, I, little did I know that uh, Wilmot was so advanced. I guess I can sign the kids up for the Olympics now, uh, <laughs> exactly. ba- based They're on their level of confidence children, that they were uh, <laughs> that, that that they were uh, ex- displaying on Sunday. But once you get the, the the program down, because skiing as an activity, it can add up quickly. Um, you got to make sure you oh, get the good yeah. deal on rentals, and and the good thing about Wilmot is it's part of a network of resorts that if you buy the pass for that place, you do have privileges elsewhere. And at, what, at one point in your skiing experience where, where that confidence kicks in and we want to go to Colorado, we want to go to Breckenridge, we want to go to Vail. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is, yeah. I mean, what's an entry level in Colorado where you're not totally breaking the bank? Well, I mean, Colorado has, a, they have great options. That's the great thing about Colorado is that most of the places there are, they've got the, the, the beginner stuff, they've got the bunny slopes, and then they've got the, the majorly advanced. I mean, for me, if you're going to splurge within three hours flight from Chicago, I would say, I mean, some people would, would, would argue with me on this, but I say fa to Vail and Aspen. Instead, like you just mentioned, head to Breckenridge. This, this is a historic mining town. Um, it offers everything its well-heeled sisters offer, but for a slightly lower price and a much, much more chill vibe. It's like a two-and-a-half-hour flight from O'Hare to Denver, and then you have the Breckenridge Shuttle, and two hours later you're at a world-class ski resort with some of the best runs in the western U.S. And then when the sun goes down, you are literally in the center of one of the best nightlife scenes in the country. And you've got interesting museums because, again, it's a historic mining town. Um, you've got ghost tours. I mean, again, splurge, lift tickets are not cheap. They're going to run you about 250 per day for adults and 150 bucks for kids. But it's a splurge, it's worth it. And I do want to mention really quick, for me, this is my choice if I'm going to stay in the Chicago area. 
Chestnut Mountain in Galena, Illinois. It's small. It only has like 19 runs, but it's mighty in terms of options. There's a ton to do besides skiing. You've got some challenging runs, but this is really where you want to go if you're, if you're like me and you just want to kind of glide serenely down the slopes as opposed to ramming into moguls every 20 feet. Um, it's a three-hour drive from Chicago, but you get there and you're like, oh, snowy winter wonderland perched on a bluff overlooking the Mississippi River. I mean, it's, it's nice. Um, and tickets are going to run you between 45 and 80 bucks. So it's, it's pretty affordable. Juliet Huddy, travel vlogger, thank you for joining us today, running down your ski vacation options. Compounding your interest with an economy of words, this is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. If a family member or friend asks you to co-sign for a loan, you should give it plenty of thought before agreeing to do so. Let's lean on the counsel of Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. Ed, thank you for joining us today. It sounds like if, if someone asks you to co-sign for a loan, you should probably limit that group of people uh, to members of your family. And even in that case, you should give it a lot of thought before you say yes. Absolutely, Rob. If a bank or other lender is not willing to take the risk, why should you? And we see this oftentimes amongst family members and and generally not with your kids, but sort of ancillary family members. And this is something you really need to consider because this is money. And if things don't go as expected in terms of payment or a default, relationships can change dramatically. And outside of the uh, impact on uh, relationships with uh, with with family, uh, what is your credit score exposure uh, once you co-sign for a loan? Yeah, all your listeners need to remember that if you co-sign a loan, you are just as liable for paying that loan back as the other person. And so if that person either is late on payments or defaults on that payment, that is a direct implication to your credit score. So you may have worked your entire life to build up your credit history, only to have it sort of dinked or even lowered tremendously because you didn't quite think through the entire process before trying to help someone out. What is the most common form of co-signing for a loan? I'm imagining it's probably a parent uh, co-signing on a loan for a child. Yeah, good point. So when our children enter the workplace, their credit score is either low or even at times they don't have that. So that's one element. If someone doesn't have a high credit score, you need to ask why. So again, for your kids and giving money to your kids, anytime our clients give money to their children, the first question to ask is, do you think you're going to be repaid? And if it's if the answer is yes, we always put a formal note in place. And then ultimately, again, when it comes to kids and supporting kids, we want to do that. But you have to take a really, really hard look on the fact that if it doesn't work out, you ultimately will be on the hook, not only for that money not coming back, but as you pointed out earlier, Rob, on your uh, hit to your credit score. Ed Jertsen, Certified Financial Planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of the show, just go to our stream. Skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.